0: What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Aaron Parker, back with you today. Um, Aaron, big, big week for the Mountaineers. Obviously, trying to rebound this week. Um, Coming off that big emotional loss, uh, they're going to have a little bit of a longer break. They played last Thursday on the 1st. They will play on the 10th. A little nine-day break, couple extra days there. Can't hurt. Um, I know some guys were beat up. Uh, Before we get into kind of the details of the game, just kind of general thoughts following uh, after everything's kind of settled from Pitt and general thoughts heading into KU home opener, Big 12 opener this Saturday.
1: Well, by going to the the press conference, it seems like, you know, the spirits aren't low. um, And I think the coaching staff has really, you know, um, driven home the point to not lose twice because of a game. And uh, an emotional loss in a rivalry game like that, like Pitt, um, you know it could beat you twice and we've seen the Mountaineers let a game like that beat them twice but I think the coaching staff's on top of that Um, I think it's going to be important for WVU to um, jump out on Kansas early um, because Kansas isn't quite as bad as as they used to be in my opinion
0: yeah I think Kansas Um, let's just get right into it the Jayhawks are playing for I want to say Kansas standards well I think that they obviously if you and Neil Brown kind of went into this Um, uh, I think it's kind of a good point. If you look at their last four games, they went at Texas close against TCU, close against West Virginia and then blow out an FCS opponent in Tennessee Tech last week. So, they have that confidence, they have that kind of swagger. Obviously, if you go into Austin and get a win, I think you that just comes. Um West Virginia, I think it's a kind of a cool storyline how their last conference game was against the Jayhawks last year on the road they opened 2022 against the Jayhawks so I mean obviously there's familiarity with every opponent in this league but I just feel like there's probably a little more familiarity as they played them in November not last September uh, if that makes sense but kind of get into the Mountaineers a couple uh, key notes Um, first off injuries 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 Charles Woods That's a big injury. Uh, No official word yet from anyone inside the program on Charles Woods. Uh, Big loss if he cannot go Saturday. Obviously, he came out earlier in the pit game. Um, Neil Brown said he has no update. And then if you're that secondary for West Virginia, you're also without Wesley McCormick for the first half. Uh, targeting late in the fourth quarter there against Pitt in the Backyard Brawl, and he will be suspended uh, for the first half of this week's contest. So just kind of getting into secondary depth. Um, you've got some dudes. You've got Malachi Ruffin, Andrew Wilson-Lamp, uh, Jacoby Spells, Mumu Ben-Wahad. Like, so I think from these coaches, you've got guys that have practiced, but it's kind of who practices the best yesterday, today, and for those wondering, today is Wednesday, September 7th. So today – uh tomorrow and then i think they walk through friday so kind of whoever has made that jump if charles woods cannot go will see significant playing time and they're going to see significant playing time and what's a pretty big game because as you said aaron they can't lose twice
1: yeah it is important for for that position group with with charles woods out and wesley mccormick out um you know it was mccormick's first game with the program i think he came from james madison um, he didn't grade out very well on that pro football focus. He had the targeting. So, I mean, that spot, I'm not saying it's open because I'm sure McCormick played well in fall camp and spring ball and all that. Um, but it's a chance for somebody like a freshman, Mumu Benwahad, or, you know, some of the other backups on that roster. And Wilson Lamp, very young yeah. too, yep. Wilson Lamp, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a chance to show yourself. And, you know, I know Neil talks about those guys a lot. He mentioned both of them in the press conference yesterday um talked about their winning background in nature. So, you know, if if they're good enough to step up and, and take it, then I think they could. And, you know, um, you know, Kansas is historically not a team that, you know, throws all over you, throws for three, four hundred yards a game. So, you know, if they can lock down their receivers for this game, then maybe they'll get to start the next week.
0: Even I think if it's just kind of holding on in the first half, if that makes sense, like just not giving up the big play. I think if you can kind of keep everything in front of you, try and slow the game down. If you're one of those younger guys until you can get a veteran like McCormick, who spent a lot of time at James Madison, who has that experience of playing college snaps. I think that that can only like, that can only help. So I think if you're West Virginia, ideally Charles Woods does play, but if you can't go, it's not more of a, you fill his shoes. It's more of a, you kind of hold over until you get McCormick back and excuse me. And then you just have to kind of play together as a unit. Another thing I want to talk about, um, his defensive line, like, looking at it, they played really well against Pitt. I think that we were kind of – we had questions. I think losing Akeem, we had questions. I think um, just based off of you have talent up front, but I'm not sure how that depth really was seen. I think Jared Bartlett played really, really well. Dante Stills really, really well. I think Dante – I think Dante's play elevates the rest of this line's play. I think I was impressed with Jordan Jefferson up front. I was impressed with kind of the way they worked as a unit. I think sometimes you have guys, especially on the defensive line who try and make the one play for themselves. But I think that, they did things schematically and they just did things that helped each other out. And if listen, if Pitt's offensive line really wasn't that bad and they're really veterans. So if you can do that in that type of environment on the road, I think against the Kansas team, hopefully that can carry over, get some home cooking, get that crowd behind you and maybe get two, three sacks early on in this game.
1: Yeah, I really like this D line. And, you know, they showed they showed me and the whole fan base a whole lot um coming out against Pitt and experienced their line. Losing a guy like Mesador is big, but I mean on the stat sheet, it's not I I think they're going to be just fine without him. Um, You know, guys like Jordan Jefferson and Dante, you know, you can count on those guys to hold down the fort, Taj Austin. um, I think it was Jordan Leslie yesterday in the press conference that really talked about um, kind of what you're talking about, just how multiple players are making a play, how, um, you know, maybe Dante's getting pressure and that forces a, a double team and maybe Bartlett will get the sack. So, you know, maybe some of the guys on these plays making the plays don't get, credit for it on a stat sheet but they're still playing a good game I think that's what we've seen with the D-line so far and even in the last season Um, so going up against the Kansas O-line that I'm you know I'm sure struggles a little bit they should be fine at home.
0: I do think too that that defensive line obviously looking back West Virginia struggled to tackle an open space in week one against Pitt I think if that D-line kind of can be quick and rush throws. It helps that secondary because that secondary doesn't have to run around so much. They can kind of keep everything in front of them. Hopefully keep passes short, quick, nothing more than 15 yards down the field. And so it kind of helps. It helps being able to tackle because you still have bodies around the ball. So it's kind of a cause and effect relationship there. And so I think that defensive line is super important, but they do, they did play well. Um, another thing uh, as we talk about defense, is just kind of how they're going to deal with Kansas quarterback Jalon Daniels. Uh, Daniels is a somewhat of a dual threat. Um, Brown described him as a dual threat who wants to pass first. So however that means, but he does have speed. Uh, He did play against the Vanders last year. Uh, he, He passed for 249 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, um rushed for another nine yards on 12 carries so I think if you're that West Virginia defensive line keeping him and keeping that rush of Kansas on the low I think that's kind of the biggest thing they did that really well against Pitt but last week Kansas against an FCS opponent of course 30 30 carries 297 combined rush yards as a team so that's that's some serious damage no matter who you're playing uh 300 yards on the ground is pretty pretty impressive so if the Mountaineers can stop the run, I think they have a good chance at winning. It's just more of a matter if they can do that.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, another thing to bring up is just um, you know, the Mountaineer defense doing what they did uh the last week against Pitt. Um, you know, just putting pressure on the quarterback. Bless you. <laughs> putting pressure on the quarterback and um, you know, forcing them to go to the air. Um, but you're not gonna get a sack every play. But if you go back to the Pitt film, you know, WV's D line did a really good job putting pressure on Slovis and Wednesday pressure was on Slovis like you said like the the corners the DBs were not running all over the place trying to to, to lock down our guys um so we you know you want to respect Daniels um but if that D-line and some of the safety blitzes are working um then I think he's going to be pressured I think he'll throw a couple picks
0: yeah I also think that an important part of that is kind of containing him though because he's not a Kadan Slovis who we know he doesn't have top-end speed. Like, Daniels can get outside the pocket and run, so it's a matter of if that pocket breaks down and you're chasing after the quarterback, not becoming undisciplined. And I think that was a big thing with Jordan Leslie this week is he's trying to preach that this defense has to stay disciplined. And so if your guys on the defensive line can stay disciplined, not try and push up too much where Daniels can step up and escape, kind of stay where you're supposed to go, stay in your lanes, if that makes sense. I think that will lead to success because the worst play I think that hurt West Virginia was these broken plays that you kind of escape the pocket, harder to cover as the time moves on. And every team has athletes, especially if you're facing a power five team, no matter if it's Kansas or Alabama, they have athletes. So you've got to kind of, contain the quarterback and keep him in your sights so he can't beat you by making another play after you've already kind of made the first play, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. And a guy like Daniels, you know, taking a broken play and, you know, say he takes a broken play and takes it to the house on, the, on his legs. That's something that can really let the air out of a building. Um, It's going to be a night game, a gold rush, and you don't want that. Um, We've seen that with, with other teams, but, you know, Kansas historically doesn't usually come in a, you know, Mountaineer field and and do stuff like that. I think in 2018 with Will Greer, they, they came in and played a good ball game. But, um, you know, keeping those big plays, those, you know, those plays on the ground um, minimal um, is going to be key for them because, you know, the defense is good um, and the linebacker play is, is good. So there's going to be pressure on on the quarterback. So just don't let the broken plays work out.
0: Yes, Mountaineers, uh, since joining the Big 12, they've only lost to Kansas once. That was in 2013. I think most Mountaineer fans remember that. It was pretty dreadful. But last time the Jayhawks came to Morgantown was in 2020, uh, that COVID year. Take that with a grain of salt. Mountaineers won 38-17. You talk about that 2018 year, uh, 38-22 win at home against the Jayhawks. So it's kind of been closer than the, like, if you want to look at it, like, look at the previous scores, like, 2012 59 to 10 2014 33 14 2015 49 nothing 2016 48 21 it kind of the last four five years it's, it's the gap is closed and I think that's it's only going to get closer and closer I think Kansas coach Lance Lepal he's a really really good coach um Neil Brown had only good things to say about him so going forward I don't think Kansas is I mean Kansas is still Kansas right now but they can still cause problems, and I think we saw that last year when they went to Austin, and I think they have the athletes to do that. It's just more of a matter of them kind of maturing and continuing to grow as a program. But also you don't know when that that kind of maturity level is going to come into play. It could come into play now. It could come into play five weeks, eight weeks from now. So that's what you don't know, and that's why you got to be prepared. Um Kind of switching topics, though, night game. Like, that's exciting, I think. Neil Brown kind of had a gripe how there was no night games for him and his team last year when every other big 12 team had a night game. Um, but you got it. So gold rush at night. That's pretty awesome. What was the last gold rush at night? LSU? Like 2011, right? Uh, I think, I think so. Uh, like, yeah. Cause I think that Oklahoma game in 18 was just, I think it was a normal game. It wasn't a gold rush. No. Yeah, It wasn't, definitely wasn't a gold rush. If you, and the other night games I had that year, I don't think were a gold rush. Yeah. Um, so, I think this is like this is a gonna it's gonna be a big environment. Obviously, it's not like an l s u caliber opponent, but it's gonna be fun. um this team has a lot to prove. and so, kind of getting on that point, one thing I noticed is that how hungry these guys were. Michael Laughlin talked about how this was the best he's felt after a loss. I think that's that's important because you heard j t. Daniels after the game against pitt say how these this team is full of fighters and how this team is gonna want to win. and so I mean, you have that opportunity now, right? So everything's in front of you if you're the Mountaineers. I think that obviously the loss sucks, but Pitts could be a pretty good team at the end of the year when it's all said and done. They could be a two-loss team. They could possibly win the ACC with the way Clemson looked in that first half the other night. So, like, it's not a bad loss. I mean, the loss sucks, but you just got to move on. And I think taking that energy from that loss and taking that feeling and translating it into work and translating it into – becoming prepared to do and have that same type of performance is the most is the best thing and I do think if you're West Virginia you would much rather have your schedule be Pitt Kansas Towson than Pitt Towson Kansas because I think it's a lot easier to get up for this game following Pitt than it would to be get get up for an FCS opponent so I do think it's important that where this game falls for the Mountaineers like they have a reason to want to win this game it's big 12 opener it's home opener it's we want to prove ourselves after pit, and so I think that's where this opportunity lies on Saturday night.
1: Absolutely, you got to let that pit loss kind of fuel your fire. And to go back to what Michael once said, he said something else good in the press conference yesterday. He said, you know, the day, the the next two or three days after that pit loss, he said half the the players in the locker room would have been ready to go and suit up for a game the next day. Um, you know, they're a little bit beat up, but they all wanted to get back out there and play. So they're going to come out there with, um you know, motivated hearts for sure against Kansas. I like your point. You know, it's, it's after a tough loss like that to play somebody like Townsend or Youngstown State in game two would be tough. Um, but this is conference play. And they, you know, to not let that pit game hurt them more than it already has. They need to take it um, and go win the next three um, going into, you know, the Texas game. Um, because Virginia Tech has you know, proven that they're not the best team um, in the ACC or anything like that. So, you know, all three of these games are not just winnable games, but games you need to win. Um, and after a great performance like that against Pitt, where you just kind of let it slip through your hands, um, they got to go out and get these next three.
0: I also think it's important, you could also think of it this way, with the way Virginia Tech looks against Old Dominion last week, Kansas could be your best opponent, until you go into Austin on October 1st. So playing your best football, getting the maximum amount of work you can in uh, against Kansas at home. I think that is also important because Virginia Tech, if they play the way they played against Old Dominion, Kansas would definitely have a fighting shot against them. Towson, obviously, we know is an FCS school. So I think learning and growing and trying to, Take and get everything out of this game as much as like winning is priority one, but priority two should be recognizing that this might be your best opponent until Texas until the end of the month. So try and get as much out of it as you can now before you have to then recover later.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing they could use, you know, to their advantage is just the fact that it's game two and it's already conference play and it's already a gold rush. First night game since 2018, first night gold rush since 2011. So, um, you know after a loss like that if you go to Lawrence if you play this Kansas team on the road or play a team like that on the road you might look at this game a little bit different maybe view it as kind of a trap game um but in front of the first crowd of the year gold rush um you know you got you got your 60,000 faithful there supporting you and you know the script kind of flips if you have to um you know go to go on the road and face Kansas after a loss like that so I think playing at home is going to be big.
0: And for what it's worth, too, I think it's important to say that I think this crowd will show up. I think that this team kind of previewed what they can be if they just kind of clean up a couple things. So I think the crowd will show up. I think they will get behind this team, and I really hope so, because they played well enough to win. They just couldn't quite get it done. A couple plays here and there, as we all know. So hopefully that kind of comes with it on Saturday. Um. Another thing about Kansas though, just kind of talking about the Big 12 overall is that I see this conference seemingly to get, is getting is going in the right direction. And what I mean by that is that yes Kansas had two wins last year. Yes they went 1 and 8 in conference, but like beating Texas on the road is a big deal. Um playing hard down the stretch is a big deal especially when you're not Playing for anything. So I think how you play towards the end of a season kind of builds for your next season. I think we've heard Neil say that plenty of times like, we want to end this season strong, start building for 21, or end the season strong, start building for 22. So there's a factor in that where if you're the Big 12 and you're kind of seeing Kansas slowly, very slowly start to get better and better and better um that that can't be a negative especially as you welcome four new teams next summer and you are probably gonna lose Oklahoma and Texas in the next two years even though that's not their contract they're not contractually obliged to leave yet but I think they leave sooner rather than later
1: yeah I mean you know to Kansas's credit it shows a lot of character um for those young athletes um and and it shows a lot of reflection on the coach um You know, like you said, they didn't have much to play for, but they still went out there and showed what they had. They went to Austin and won a game at Texas. I mean, that that's something the Mountaineers haven't done since 2018. Like that's big time. I don't care. I don't care how bad or how down Texas was last year. So they have fight. um, And you know, I think the Big 12 does like that because they have been. You know, you can count on Kansas to be bad every year. Um, So to see them fight, even after having a bad season, that's what you want. I mean, Kansas has you know swung a miss on a lot of coaches. And quarterbacks and, and players like that over the last couple of years, he went out and hired West miles that didn't work. Um, so maybe this coach, you know, has shown the character he has and maybe he can build something. there.
0: Yeah. I think, I just think that, I mean, when you, Neil talks respectfully about every coach, but I don't think you see the whole coaching staff talk as highly about a coach another coaching staff. Like you have seen West Virginia's staff this week, talk about Kansas's staff. I think, they said they played uh when they were at Troy, when Neil and company were at Troy, they played uh Lance, Lance's staff at Buffalo and kind of got to see him there. And I read a couple pieces from what Lance Coach uh Lapold, I think I'm saying his name wrong, yeah. uh said this week at for Kansas Media and how he how much respect he has for Neil Brown as an offensive mind. So I just think that the respect is there, and I think that you you're seeing kind of two two coaches trying to rebuild cultures at two different schools, two schools that were in different places. Obviously West Virginia was a top 10 team in 2018 before Neil arrived. And then Kansas has kind of been a bottom feeder for a while now. So kind of you get to see the side-by-side comparison of building up. And I think that's a cool thing to see.
1: It absolutely is two completely different programs, but you know, I'm sure the Kansas administration and, you know, athletic directors and presidents are, are all tired of them being bottom feeders? I mean, they're they're the top at the top of the world in basketball. Obviously, just won a national championship, but um, you know they they they've been respectable at football before. I know their history, even dating back to you know however many years, it's not great, but they've had some good seasons and they were really really good in two thousand seven. Um, you know, but that's kind of just like a lone year. So I'm sure they want to you know get back to you know some sort of success like that. But instead of just having one year or two years like they did in 07 and 08, um, I'm sure they want to build something something a little bit better because, um, you know, if the basketball program wasn't so good, having a football program like that, baseball program is not very good, you know, probably wouldn't get you in the Big 12 or the SEC or something like that. But um, so I'm sure the football program is tired of, you know, riding the coattails of the basketball program.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that it's important to look at how you are as a whole – athletic department I guess I mean I'm, I'm like your whole athletics organization that's what, I'll, mm. that's what I'll say I think that's important and I think it's important though to see that they are building and that's an important thing one uh one more thing about West Virginia's offense before we kind of get into some predictions for this week CJ Donaldson he's kind of a wild card to me a mystery so I'll let you go first here predict how many touches you think he gets this week and why
1: Okay, so against Pitt he got seven. Seven carries, Um, yep. But he was the best he was the best person on the field to, you know, receive handoffs. Um in a home game, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ten. Um, you know, I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna be the workload back. I mean, that's gonna be Tony Mathis. Um, but I mean, they talk about him for, for good reason. I mean, he is he is hard to stop. I think Jordan Jefferson called him just a straight up train and he's hard to tackle. And I think Kansas is going to struggle to tackle him. He got seven carries against Pitt, but he proved how good he was. And I thought maybe he got a little bit, you know, the way he's playing. I thought he should have got a couple more carries. So I'm going to go three more carries than what he got last week.
0: Yeah, for me, I think it's, I think it's crazy if you expect him to continue to have 18 yards of carries. That's just not, like, it's hard to replicate. Obviously. But with that being said, I also think the theory and the idea that he's going to be RB one by Virginia Tech is absurd. I think that he's a freshman, and although yes he's talented, there's no reason for him to be the lead back in this offense when three weeks ago he was in the tight end room. So, um, I think he's 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 different because of his size, and that that is a good thing. But I don't think he's in a spot where he should be the running back one, just because if I'm Neil Brown and his staff and you want to have him for the next 12 games, like 11 games, you're not going to have him take the pounding of a Tony Mathis every single game. When you're going to use Donaldson on special teams, you're going to use him on offense. You're going to possibly put him at tight end or at receiver. So he's going to move around. He's kind of like your wild card on offense. Um, I think it's a good thing. I, if I had to predict a number, I'd say, I'll say 11, so I'm not at 10. I say that range of kind of 7 to 12 is kind of that magic number. And I think there's a difference also in him getting carries and him getting touches. I think if you just kind of getting him in space is important. It's also going to be cool to see how he does on special teams. Obviously, at the big play against Pitt. Um, but all we heard this week was that he works hard and that he – stayed after practice and worked on special teams and that kind of paid off. So it's good to see a freshman, a true freshman have this kind of talent and have this kind of success early on in their career. But I also just don't think that fans should get too excited as it was one game. He's got to do it again. And he's like Neil Brown his priority is keeping Donaldson on the field through Oklahoma state on November 26th. So, and by, if you have to limit his touches against Kansas or, do what you have to do now. So he's available to play the rest of this year. I think that's the best thing going forward.
1: Yeah. Um, you're right. Um, you know, you bring up the, the touch is saying um, I, you know, I, I just, I don't really think they're going to line him up at tight end or receiver at all this year. I think he's, um I think he's really established himself as a, as a power running back. You don't think
0: he can line up at? and
1: I'm not saying tight he, end he and,
0: like do what with- run five yards, turn around and catch a ball. Like I just think that like trying to get him in space is the most important thing. And I think doing that where he doesn't have to run into a defender every single time at the line of scrimmage helps. I just I just don't see how it's how it's a good thing for if you want him touching the ball fifteen times for him as a true freshman lining up in the backfield and having to have that head on collision as a running back at the line of scrimmage or within two yards of the line of scrimmage.
1: Um, I, I'm not saying he can't, I mean, I'm sure he can go out and catch a ball and run a route. but, um, you know, you got a law off when you got Plenty, you got, you know, they talked about Traylon Davis being good. So no, I think he's establishing himself as a running back. Um, obviously he's not going to, you know, even in the next two, three games, no matter how good he is, I don't think he's going to emerge as like the workload back. I think Tony Mathis has earned that spot and, you know, I think he's better prepared for that given his years in the big 12 and years at WV. but. Um, not to say Donaldson can't run up and run a route, because I'm sure he can. He's a good athlete. Um, but I think, I think he's a running back. Um, I think he's a good two-back for the rest of the year, assuming he doesn't get hurt.
0: Yeah, I just I just I don't I don't know where he lines up in this offense like because I think it's also a kind of a game to game basis because I think some games are going to need him more in short yardage situations with his size and I think some games he won't be used as much depending on how the offense is flowing or if you're passing the ball more and are in more passing downs etc. so it'll it's just going to be something interesting it's going to be fluid I think throughout the year I think some games he might end up close to 15 and some games he might end up closer to 5 and that's just kind of the way things go. Uh, one more thing, one more thing before we get into predictions. Uh, I'll go first here. One one big thing I'm looking for this week. My one big thing I'm going to be looking for is how Bryce Forbes responds. Bryce Ford Wheaton, uh, his Mountaineer, being a Mountaineer is in his blood. I think that I would assume he was distraught over that drop um, at Pitt. And I think he's going to be eager to go out. Don't be surprised if... J- Don't be surprised if JT Daniels looks for a shot play for Bryce Ford, Um, especially early. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they try and get the ball in his hands just to kind of start building that confidence back, start kind of getting in his head. Hey, you're still our guy. Like, look what you did against Pitt. 16 targets, two touchdowns, 100 yards. Like, just keep doing your thing. You'll be all right no matter the drop. So my big thing is I'm looking to see how he responds, if there's any jitters early on, if – if he if he maybe he does have a couple drops and how that affects him, because there's so many things in sports and in life that are just a mental thing. Um, and so I'm interested to see how he deals with that.
1: Yeah, um, I got a lot of trust in Bryce Ford Wheaton. Um, I think he's you know established himself as WV's best receiver. I think he's gonna come out and play a heck of a game. Um to your point of you know, kind of not letting that beat you twice or you know, being distraught about that. Um, I think he's gonna come out and, and tear up Kansas and, and Townsend. Um, but in a game like Virginia Tech or Texas, where maybe it's a seven point game in the fourth quarter or a three-point game in the fourth quarter, that's when I'm really looking for him to make up for that play. Um because I think he's gonna go out and you know and have his way with Kansas.
0: I don't think you can make up for that play. I think no. I don't think there's a I think unless you go and when the bulletin you're not making up for that play. So I don't want him to also think that he has to make up for that play because then I think that's just going to lead him to press and you can't press. I think you have to kind of Mm -hmm. stick to what you're good at, stick to your offensive game plan and adjust from there. I just don't think you can go out there and try and erase the worst mistake of your football career in one game because it's not going to go away. I don't think you can erase it in two games because it's probably not going to go away. You just have to try and flush it and be the best you can be game in and game out. And for me, I'm, that's what I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to be looking for, and as you said, I think that is a good point, Aaron, that you bring up of how when it's a similar situation to what you were in at Pitt, right, where mm-hmm. all eyes are on you, you need to make a play. Um, How does he respond then? Because I don't think if you're up by – two touchdowns in the third quarter against Kansas let's say like I just don't think that's the place and the pressure's not on but when you're on the road in, in Austin and you're fighting or if you're playing Oklahoma or if you're playing Baylor or if you're on the road in Stillwater how do you respond then in a close game and how how do you kind of move on from that
1: I agree and you know that's kind of where you prove that you can be clutch obviously in that situation he he hasn't proven it yet but we've seen it before he caught that um, touchdown against Baylor to, and um, I think it was double overtime or overtime. Um, you know, so he he's proven it before. Um, but like you said, you can't make up for a play like that. Um, but just to reiterate, I mean, I, I think I think you got to look at at you know more of a clutch moment against a conference opponent. Um, you know, and to show that the I mean, he's got NFL scouts watching him at this point. And I think um, I think he'll have that
0: opportunity though, yeah. and I think he'll have yeah. that opportunity.
1: I think I think to do it in a moment like that. Um, and prove that he, he can, you know, put that behind him and be a clutch receiver, I think that's really where I want to see him, um, you know, put that that play to bed because I think, you know, for the next two games he's going to have his way. Um, but maybe against – probably not Virginia Tech, but probably against Texas, Oklahoma State, definitely Baylor. You're going to have some of the better corners, better safeties on you, um, and that's where your tape really shows.
0: What's your uh, – what's your thing that you're looking for this week against Kansas
1: um, I'm gonna go with well. First of all, I'm gonna go with with DB play. Um, you know Daniels for Kansas. I know he throws some picks, um, but he's proven he can throw touchdown passes. Um, and he's proven he can get out of the pocket and make plays and extend plays. Um, so getting these, they're not young guys, but maybe getting the young guys plus the newer additions. The you know the Aubrey Burks, the Marcus Floyds of the world getting them to to mess together um, and kind of dominate. You don't want to just win this game by 10 or 14 points.
0: Predictions. Um, You want to start with the West Virginia game or you want to go other games first?
1: Other games first. All right. Circle around.
0: So – we're going to pick three games, four games this week. Uh, we both went 2-1 in our predictions last week, so we are tied in our what will be our college football pick That's what we'll call it. Our college football pick them is here on the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. First game, Baylor at BYU. I think this is super interesting. Obviously, Big 12 will have eyes on it. Um, don't be surprised if new commissioner Brett Yormark is there. Um, I think Baylor wins, though. I think Baylor's really good. Obviously, that's going to be a tough place to go in and play. Late night game out there in Utah, but I think Baylor beats BYU.
1: Yeah, I want to go Baylor. Um, but I think I'm gonna take the wild card here. I'm gonna go with the Cougars. I'm gonna go BYU. Um, you know, they're gonna have a I'm assuming they're gonna have a pretty electric crowd. It's ten fifteen at night. Um they went down to Tampa. 10, I know stuff,
0: Eastern, meaning it's yeah, Eastern time there.
1: Yeah. Well, ten fifteen Eastern. So I mean, I don't know. It's it's a late game regardless um they went down Act to
0: after uh, dark vibes is what it is
1: That it does give me those vibes you know games that that you know go into 12 30 1, 1 a.m but they went down to Tampa and you know I know South Florida's not great but they put up like 55 on um so I, you know I know Baylor's got a good defense but I think they're gonna score on
0: you go first here Texas Alabama noon kickoff on Saturday
1: yes yeah, so I'm gonna go Alabama um and I'm not even gonna think twice about it um Alabama is just, you know, they're Alabama. They prove it every year, how good they are. And and Texas really has to – they try to prove to the nation every year that they're quote-unquote back. And I think they are going to be a good football team this year. Um, but Quinn Ewers is still young, way too experienced. He's still event.
0: searching for his car too. So, uh... yeah. Um, I'm going to take Alabama too. I think this is a big prove-it game for Nick Saban. He lost a couple assistants last year. He doesn't lose to assistants. That's not something he does. Give me Alabama big – um iowa state iowa obviously this game has caused problems for iowa state in recent years iowa did not look good last week uh dropped out the 25 despite a win actually no they were they received points and then they did not receive any votes this week excuse me there i'm gonna take iowa i just think being at home is a big deal in these types of games and i think they're gonna have they're gonna have something to prove after only scoring seven points last week and not getting a touchdown so i'm gonna take right. iowa
1: yeah, I'm going to go Iowa, too. The Hawkeyes are really Iowa State's Achilles' heel. Matt Matt Campbell's built up a decent program there, but even at their best, they can never beat Iowa. I remember a couple of years ago or maybe last year, they had Iowa, you know, I think they had them in Ames, and they had them almost won, and they muffed the punt. And they always just find a way to lose to Iowa, and I'm going to go Iowa again.
0: Now, lastly, our game, West Virginia, Kansas. I'll go first here. I think this is a proof game for the Mountaineers. I think they go out there and I think this offense fires away. I think that they prove that they can score against one of the nation's better defenses last year. Last last year, last week. And I think they're gonna have home cooking. They're gonna have that energy. I think Milan postcar is gonna be rocking. Um Gold Rush, night game, blah. The whole the whole nine. Give me West Virginia
1: 45-17. Wow, I literally just wrote down my score, and it's really close to that. Um, I was gonna say forty-five twenty. That's kind of weird, but yeah. Um, I think I think Daniels will make a couple plays, get get him in the end zone a couple times, but um referring to take... Kansas is
0: Daniels, correct?
1: Yes, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Dan Jalen Daniels, jalon Daniels, is gonna make a couple plays, get him in the end zone a couple times, but he's gonna throw two picks, in my opinion. JT Daniels is gonna go out there and throw three or four touchdowns. He's gonna get Bryce Ford Wheaton involved early um you know get the running backs involved early I don't think he's gonna throw an interception I think the Mountaineers will roll
0: I think JT Daniels has a really good day I think they're gonna throw the ball around I think they're gonna I think there's gonna be a sense to wanting to sling it in front of your home crowd and I think that they're gonna do just that and I think it's gonna be fun I think it's gonna be a fun game get some momentum going because these next three are big you gotta have them all you gotta have all three going into conference play so uh with that being said If you do make it this far, we appreciate you listening. Or if you are watching on YouTube, we do appreciate you doing that. Give us a follow if you are on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're on YouTube, please click subscribe. We do appreciate all the love you guys have been giving us lately. Uh, It's been cool to see how we've been growing the last couple of months. So we do appreciate you doing that. Once again, I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by the one and only Aaron Parker. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. And this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.